I have a question for the web's Michael Smith. I have an answer for TV's Mike Maniscalco. Oh, I can't wait. It's episode 37 of the Canes cast. You know what that means? What's that? We have to look back before we can look forward. I'm not one of my happier intros to the show, by Well, the way. and I didn't really give an answer. I sort of just gave another question. Yeah. That's true, but at least you had one. Yeah, sometimes you have to answer a question with another question and move along from there. That's what Michael Smith does. That's why he's the web's (laughs) Michael Smith. He he questions the answers and answers the questions. (laughs) And you do much the same. TV's Mike Maniscalco. You've seen him all season long on Fox Sports Carolinas, Fox Sports Southeast for a handful of games, and, of course, CarolinaHurricanes.com. And it was great to once again host the second annual The Mikeys with you in Philadelphia. That was a blast. It was I had well, a lot of fun. I hope fans uh, enjoyed our silly little, uh, I, what, five-minute award show? Yeah, it was well-received. That's good. And uh, I believe that we drew better ratings in the VMAs, which is nice. Great. Uh, right below the Oscars. Okay. So we're somewhere in there. We've got some work to do. But we'll get there. But we'll get there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really I really do believe that we have the 59th most coveted award in the National <laughs> Hockey League. Well, and I think this year, too, I think the production value has stepped up a little bit. We had individual envelopes for every award. Last year we had to double up, and that led to some on-air confusion and, and general uh, absurdity. But I think that's all a part of the fun. <laughs> I, I think that's what it comes down to. And the fact that you did last year handle it off by saying La La Land won the last <laughs> award. Uh, that's how it should be. Yeah, the Oscars went too smoothly this year. There was nothing we could really poke fun at. Uh, there's always something we could poke fun at. Uh, the sad part, like I said about the beginning, generally there's something funnier, like some exclamation point to start the Canes cast here, episode 37, post-mortem. But we're looking back on another season where the Carolina Hurricanes missed the playoffs. And, and Michael, this isn't going to be a happy go fun time podcast because we're going to take a look at some of the things that didn't work out for the Hurricanes. But we're going to paint this the way that we normally would. We're going to give you our honest uh, assessment. Here's the positive of the season. Here's the negative of the season. Are there building blocks? What do you take away from? Michael and I were at locker cleanout. So there was a lot of honesty that came out of quite a few players yesterday. Tom Dundon, the majority owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, had his press conference. So plenty of talking points for Michael and I to get to. So let's start off with the and, – and I like to do this on the show – I like to pick and have you go. Do we go positive? Do we go negative first? I think we'll start with the positive. Well, Sebastian Ajo. Yes. We can start right there and continue to say that he's only going to get better. And and that's my belief. First off, he's one of those guys where the competitive nature in a 20-year-old is off the charts. But I was expecting a bit of a step back this year. Just a bit. And it didn't mean that I didn't think he was going to score 20 goals or anything like that. But, you know, he had 24 as a rookie, and he had a slow start as a rookie. This year he got off to a slow start, and you're wondering, okay, did the league maybe figure him out a little bit more? Nope. He got it figured out. I would have loved to have seen him get 30 goals. That would have been fantastic. But 29 goals. So, you know what he's done in his first two years? Improved on his numbers from his rookie to his sophomore year. And one of the best things that I've ever heard about a rookie – who had any success, what you want to see them do their second year. If they can match what they did their rookie year, just match it. That's a successful second year because there's been a book on these guys, so now some people can figure it out. He surpassed that. So Sebastian Ajo, the team's MVP, huge positive for this club and and how he played. And remember, he did get off to the slow start, and then he just picked it up and went from there, and I think he'll he'll be ready to go 
come October next year. Yeah, without a doubt, he was the team's MVP, as you said, leading the team in goals with 29, leading the team with points uh, with 65, just uh, an all-around star, um, an all-star in the making. I, I think, you know, have the uh, had the Hurricanes not, uh, you know, are, are the Hurricanes not in a division with, with forwards like Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby and Taylor Hall and, uh, you know, you could go down the list of, of talented forwards in this division. I think Sebastian Ajo probably would have represented the Hurricanes at this year's All-Star game. He's certainly uh, going to be that guy, I think, moving forward. Uh, as you mentioned, the slow start, I know that's something, you know, he told us in his, in his egg, or not exit interview, that happens. With yeah, locker clean-out interview, yeah. In his end-of-season media availability, that that's, you know, something he's, he's really going to focus on because he said he felt like he came into this year in great shape, uh, performed well, had a good camp, was ready to go. But for whatever reason, it, the, the puck just wasn't finding the back of the net. But, you know, we kept saying once it happens, it's going to keep happening and they're going to come in bunches. And that's exactly what happened. I think next year, if he gets off to that strong start, there's no question that he's a 30-goal scorer. He could have easily had 30 goals this year. Um, I look for him to, again, be up in that uh, the top one, two, three in, in points for this team. He's a great young player. He's only going to continue to get better. The Hurricanes for sure have a star in Sebastian Ajo, and he was one of the positives from this season. And when you take into account he moved from wing to center for the last handful of games of the season and looked pretty comfortable playing in the middle, you know, he does have to get bigger and stronger, as he admitted in what you said, the Webb's Michael Smith. But I liked him in the middle and what he can do. So that gives this Hurricanes teams a lot of options. Another positive for me this year were some quiet contributions or under-the-radar contributions. Shane Willis and I talked about this on Hurricanes Live on Fox Sports Carolinas. Plug for that show. But Trevor Van Riemsdyk came in and did exactly what you wanted him to do. You know, coming over from Vegas in the expansion draft and how that worked out. What a storied history oh, he had with Vegas. You know, the emotions when we went to Vegas that flooded to Trevor Van Reemsdyk. I can Van only imagine scoring a goal against his former team. Oh. His first goal with the Hurricanes was, was all he could have ever imagined. Well, you want you to stick it to your team. I mean, that's what it comes down to. But I thought Trevor Van Reemsdyk had a really solid season. You know, I believe when you shake down the plus minus, when you're in a – a bottom pairing for defensemen if you're in that 5-6, or even if you're in that 3-4, if you can be a plus, that's just huge. And someone else whose game went to another level, Brock McGinn. And I joked about it, Michael, but I'm interested for your thoughts. If the goal was one inch wider and one inch taller, Brock McGinn would have had 35 goals this year. At least I, it felt like I that. I mean, it, it definitely felt like that. I don't know the exact numbers, but – I know he. I know seven. Yeah. I can tell you seven times he hit the post of the crossbar where there were. My vantage point, you're up in the press box. I'm on the ice. So there are times where I have to be looking down at notes or I'm looking at something else. And I heard the ping and I went, oh, I was Brock again. Yeah. And whenever I get, you know, post game press conferences and we're talking about, oh, somebody hit the post or crossbar, it's a safe bet to say it was, it was probably Brock again. Yep. I do feel like uh, after the first uh, maybe month or so, I think he, he really found his game. He found a home. Uh, he found his role in the lineup. He ended the season with, with 16 goals, 14 assists, good for 30 points on the year. Uh, that's a pretty good year um, uh, from a, a guy who's who's still growing in this league, a guy who brings not only that offensive threat of being able to score goals, who you know could easily, easily be a 20-goal scorer, 
but he's also physical. Yeah. He also brings the sandpaper, the grit that the Hurricanes uh, arguably need more of. Um, so he's he's one of those pieces that I think you definitely want to keep around um, uh, because he's he's so versatile. He's so uh, committed to, to being physical. But he has that offensive flair, too, and I think he's really – when you look at the prototypical player that, that you want on your team, he's he's a guy who, who brings really everything you could ask for. Yeah, and I just like his approach to the game. And, again, another player from last year to this year improved, brought some other elements. One thing I liked was Cam Ward's game as the backup. If you can tell me your backup goaltender is going to win nine or ten more games than he loses – that's a good year out of your backup. His goals against average, Cam Ward said it yesterday in his uh, his locker clean-out interview with the media, which was, sure, you'd like your goals against to be lower and your save percentage to be higher. But in the role that they asked him to do, here's a guy who's been a number one, Michaels, for 11 years. And he took to the backup role. And I thought he played really well. Uh, it's There's other things we'll get into on the goaltending side coming up for sure, but that was the the one thing, a bright spot. The Canes finally found their backup, yeah, and and he played really well. It'll and be interesting to see what his future will be, but I, I thought he gave them what you wanted out of a backup goaltender. And it's a role that he embraced. I mean, he said it yesterday that it this really is the first time in his career that he's been asked to take on that new role, yep. that new role of being the number two. And he had this this goal in mind of of wanting to have a winning record, and he finished the year with a winning record. He was twenty three, fourteen, and four. Um, and that's stellar. That's a stellar record for a backup, though I guess we should note that he did turn into the number one yeah. probably about halfway through the season or so um, just because of, of the struggles Scott Darling was having. But he did everything that was asked of him. Yep. I think he put together a solid season. Um, he's played, what, 13 seasons uh, for this team. He's made it clear that if the team wants him back, um, you know, as the number two, that he's more than willing to do that. But he also said he has to be open to other options. Yeah. I mean, he, he's at this point in his career where he is a veteran. He's a veteran netminder. Um, if if he wants to win or if he wants uh, to continue to play uh, with another team. Or if he wants another Stanley Cup. And, I mean, if we're, we're being honest on this one. If he wants another Stanley Cup, does he look at when July 1st comes around? Does he go to a team that we feel is a Stanley Cup contender come July 1st? Yeah. Or does he look at this club and do they look at him and say, we want to bring you back and, and he's comfortable with that? I mean, there there are a number of options on the table um, and he's due to become an unrestricted free agent on July 1st. So we'll see what decisions are made there. I think you have to take uh, the goaltending as a, as a larger picture and, and figure out how you want to proceed yes. moving forward because – it was clear what happened this year it isn't sustainable moving forward. If you want to have a team that's successful in making the playoffs, I don't think you can come back with the exact same one-two pairing. Uh, and that's nothing against Scott Darling or, or Cam Ward uh, as a duo. It's just that when you look at the results from this year, they weren't there. Yeah. And that's that's plain and simple. Tom Dundon said that as much in his press conference as well. I think uh, another positive, we talked about Ajo, is the Finn opposite of Ajo, is Tevo Teravainen, who was right up there with Ajo in, in, in terms of points. He led team uh, with 41 assists, had 64 points on the season, 23 goals. I think what helped him this year and what helped him uh, build his point total was the fact that he shot more. 
He, he, he shot more. He took advantage of um, a good shot that he has maybe in previous years. And, and he told us earlier this year when, when he scored the hat trick, uh, which was, I believe, the first of his career, he said, I don't think of myself as a goal scorer. I think of myself as, as a playmaker first. But I think what you saw this year was was him becoming a little more selfish, and that's a good thing. Oh, it is a good because thing. Because he has a good shot. I would like for him to think of himself as a goal scorer now. Yeah. And it's clear he can still make plays because he oh, had yeah. 41 assists, but now he's the 20-goal scorer, which means he can score goals too. So now you have this player who's maybe found a new side of himself that he wasn't sure was quite there, a young player who's who's coming into his own. And I think those two, Ajo and Taravainen, whether it's it's one of them on the wing and Ajo in the middle or, or both of them as a wing pair, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch in the years to come. All right, I could have batted lead off with this one. Justin Williams came in and did exactly what he was supposed to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. He, uh, he was the leader of the team. Forget letters for a second, and I know that we all obsess about it, but he was the leader of the team. And as he said, he didn't come in here to be the savior. He came here to be a complimentary piece, and he was more than a compliment. He was a superlative for this team all year long. Michael, you and I cover this team. Always gave us honest answers. Always had time, even when you didn't want to have time to talk about what's going on, what's going wrong. I cannot say enough about Justin Williams, his character. His game is still there. He can still play. And the positive rolled into, I think the Canes found a really good line. You know, all of the attention went to Sebastian Ajo and, and Tavo Teravine and whatever their line was, and rightly so. But Jordan Stahl centering a line with Brock McGinn and Justin Williams became a really hard line for the opposition to play against because Jordan Stahl's big, you've got the smarts of Justin Williams and the grit of Brock McGinn. So that was a positive that you found those things. And you know, six players set career highs and goals this year. So lots of positives in a season that, just let's be quite frank. This one might be the most disappointing season I've covered because this was supposed to be a year that they're a playoff team. Yeah, and we'll touch more on that in, in just a second. But the thing about Williams, um, he definitely was, and you hear it from other players too, say that he's the leader. He's, yep. he's the guy who will step up when something's not going right and say something. He's the guy who's been there alongside Cam Ward, who's been there, won the Stanley Cup, knows what it takes uh, to go through all of that and get there. There are a lot of guys in the Hurricanes locker room who, who don't know. Jeff Skinner, Justin Falk, Noah Hannafin, Brett Pesci, Jacob Slay. I mean, we could go down the list of guys who have never experienced the Stanley Cup playoffs and don't know, might not have an idea. They don't have that taste of, of what it's like to be there and to have success or even that taste of what it's like to make the playoffs yep. and then suffer the the defeat of losing it's it, they don't it is a process it is a process but and they're not aware of that just yet but but justin williams is a guy who can relate who can you know show these guys what it takes to to succeed and yeah you said it yesterday he, he came in here and he's not someone who can put everybody on their backs and and lead them to a championship he's he's a veteran he's he's yep. a guy who um you know can't skate like he used to be able to. I mean, that's that's fairly obvious, but he still put up 51 points. Yeah. And that's third on the team in scoring. And that's that's the type of, uh, of I think, uh, point production, ancillary point production that you expected from a guy like him coming into the lineup. But the main reason he was brought in was to be that leader uh, for the young guys on the team. And I think he more than succeeded in doing that. 
He's a great piece to have around. Uh, he's got one year left on his contract. We'll see how he feels after that next yep. after next season, but I wouldn't be against at all bringing him, bringing him back for another season after that if he feels up to it, if his body feels up to it, um, because he's just he's an invaluable piece to have in that locker room. There are certain players in sports who I would have on my team as long as they want to keep playing. Justin Williams is one of those players. Yeah, I, I don't. We can talk about well oh, this ability or that ability, or you can go analytic. I don't care. What he brings to a team, you cannot measure. And I know people will say, well, look at the results this year. <laughs> there were times where he pulled this team together yeah. when they needed to. Yeah, I could point to could point to things could have gotten off the rails in Toronto. Remember that afternoon game? And well, I've tried to forget it. Well, <laughs> and so have a lot of people. But it was Justin Williams who this team gets to Nashville, and the guy said he was the the rallying point going. It's not going this way, guys. And they went out and they beat Nashville. You know, and, and again, there were some high spots this year for the team. But let's get to the other side of it, Michael. The the negatives or the the things that just went off the tracks for the team and. Uh, we've touched on it, the goaltending, and, and Scott Darling. Admittedly, he said that he had a roller coaster of a season. Uh, there's some encouragement that at the end of the year, he started to put together some solid starts. He owned the Washington Capitals at Capital One Arena in D.C., so that's something you can hang your hat on. I thought he had a couple of strong performances after that, just you know, hard luck bounces or you know, the soft goal that he admits that he let in. But he was the guy who, if he could have been the guy, this team is probably playing some extra hockey. I don't know how much. And I hate to put it on one guy because, trust me, there were plenty of nights where the Carolina Hurricanes scored one or two goals. Yeah. And that's not that's not good enough. And that's not – I don't want this to be, oh, I just laid it all at the feet of the goaltender. That is not what I'm doing. What I'm saying is it was just tough because you thought that the goaltending situation was going to be stabilized, and, and it really wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, and I think part of that is – a transition yes. we've talked about it multiple times this season of of transitioning from a backup in the nhl to a starter and i think it's a lot more than that too i think for scott darling he told us yesterday that he put a lot of pressure on himself coming to a new city coming to a new team getting this uh, long-term contract this big long-term contract that he's never really had in the nhl before he put pressure on himself to be great and when things went bad, he tried maybe a little too hard, and then things got worse. Yeah. And so I think I think all of that is going to be a learning process. And I think you saw towards the end of the year that he might have learned from those things because I thought towards the end of the year, his last few weeks uh, playing goal regularly for the Hurricanes, I thought were some of his best games. I mean, you look at – we always talk about, the, you know, the game against Columbus here in, in December that – he stole the victory for the Hurricanes, uh, as you mentioned, the couple victories in, in Washington. Um, but I think he put together a, a pretty consistent stretch uh, down the down the end of the year. And now, over the summer, he's going to set some pretty high goals for himself. Yep. He's going to stay here, he said, and train with uh, Bill Berniston, who's the, the head strength and conditioning coach, tpanc.com, by the way. Yes, go visit that website. Bill, I hope you're listening to this. Yeah, if you want to build, if you want to build better athletes, Billy Berniston is the best in the business to help you get there. He will build better Ooh, athletes. I see what you just did there. Um, so he's going to stay here and, and train with Bill Berniston. He's going to set high goals for himself. He's going to want to come into training camp uh, in great shape and ready to succeed and and really take this by the reins. And you know, he was asked yesterday, "Have you ever faced 
you know, adversity like this. And he said, look, I mean, my life has been all about yeah. facing adversity. And you can go on, you know, Players Tribune and, yep. and read all about that. So there's no question in my mind that he attacked that situation with uh, authority and, and a will to change. And I think he's going to do the same this summer. Yeah, and it's not easy making that transition. And, Michael, can I make a uh, movie reference for what some people think is a subpar movie? Sure. But I liked it. The Replacement, starring Keanu Reeves. Okay. The situation you were talking about with Scott Darling, where when it started going wrong, it's the quicksand analogy, which is when you were in quicksand, the harder you fight, the faster you sink, and the harder it becomes to pull yourself out of it. And it's hard to just try to say, all right, it's not going right. Let's relax. Let's do it. No, you, every instinct in your body is to, well, we got to change this, or we got to do this different, or I got to do this better, or I'm, no. It's the hardest thing to fight. And that's why when you talk about some of the issues with the, the Canes, it comes into, for me, a consistency issue and a confidence issue. It's, you know, two words that start with the letter C that have plagued this, this organization for a couple of years now. And I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why this team cannot put together a six, seven, eight game winning streak in the National Hockey League because one night we'll watch them beat the Nashville Predators. Mm-hmm. We'll watch them handle the Washington Capitals. Mm-hmm. And then the other night they'll come out flat. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who the opponent is. But there's so many weird things around the team. They they can't win at Madison Square Garden. You know, they don't have they don't have they don't have wins there. Uh, there's a, another building that has kind of haunted them over the years. The Rogers, Vancouver's Arena, yeah. Rogers yeah. Place, Rogers Arena. Yeah, that's one game, Rogers, I, and it's October, but everything's Rogers up in Canada. Yeah, or Scotia Bank or something else, yeah. or Canadian Tire, Sandra. Uh That just to me, that was the thing that was a negative again this year: the consistency or lack thereof. The only consistent thing for the Canes were they were inconsistent. Exactly. Exactly, and that's that's what plagued the team because uh, for so long the team was hovering around that playoff cut line. Oh, sure. They, they were, were above that playoff it. cut line. They were above it, yeah, yeah. Uh, below, above, below, above. They could never seem to f- f- supremely plant themselves above that cut line, and they had chances to do it. Coming out of the trade deadline, um, it was about mid – well, no, was, I guess it was about mid-February. They went on a little slide yeah. after that homestand where they went, what was it, 5-2-1. Uh, five, five, and one, one. The eight-game homestand. That's yeah. a pretty good homestand. That started off 2-2-1, two, two and one, if I remember correctly. Yes, it did. And then they went on a slide of about four or five games all against divisional opponents or at least conference opponents, majority divisional opponents. And that hurts. That hurts. You, can, you can't come out of a good stretch – uh, like that, and then basically nullify it with the stretch they went on. And that's that was sort of the story of the season, is any run they had, they would cancel it out yep. with a run in the opposite direction. And to be successful uh, over the length of an 82-game season, over the length of the marathon that is the the 82-game season, you have to be able to string together these long runs and avoid the longer uh, negative runs that, that end up canceling out. Uh, the good that you're doing in the standing. So that's that's something that the team has to figure out heading into next season uh, in order to, to be above that playoff cut line and, and qualify for the postseason. Anything else on the negative side you want to address for this team? Well, I, you know, 
I, I think we all would have liked to see Jeff Skinner be a 30-goal scorer. I think we all sort of took for granted that he was going to be a, yeah. another 30-goal scorer. Coming off of 37 the year before. Right, and he didn't get there this year. And it was, again, what you've seen from him really throughout his career is the streakiness of he'll go 5, 10 games without a goal, but then in his next five, he'll score seven goals. Um, so I, I think... I, you'd like to see more consistency from him. I get that because he's a goal scorer, he's inherently going to be streaky, just mm -hmm. the way Sebastian Ajo is at times. Um, but I, I think what you want to see is is more of a level of consistency, um, even if he's not finding the back of the net. It's generating points, yep. generating shots, which yep. I think he still does. I, he generates shots each oh, and every game. He had the second longest active shots on goal streak in the National Hockey yeah, League. Like 90 it, games. It got snapped in Washington, I think, in the win. Because he generates chances. And the, and that's that's all, really, you can ask for him. It would just be nice if, if more of those could go in because he's a guy the Hurricanes rely on for oh, yeah. goal scoring. It's, it, that, it's that simple. And it's also no secret. You know, this team goes through long droughts on offense. You know, be it the does the power play feed off of the five-on-five five or the five-on-five five feed off of the power play. That's why, if you're listening to this podcast and you made it this far, I didn't want it to seem like the negative was thrown at the feet of the goaltending because when you're asking goaltenders, hey, you can only give up two goals tonight and maybe we'll get a point or we're going to go to overtime, that becomes taxing after a while. It really does. And the Canes – when they have this offensive eruption, hey, why is it happening? Why did this happen? This is a team that put seven goals on Jonathan Quick in the L.A. Kings. So offense was there, but it's just, I think, like you said, it would come in spurts, and it would either just come in a watershed moment and then dry up again, or it would just be a trickle for the longest time. And I think that this needs to be addressed. Now, building blocks, Michael, well, moving forward. Oh, before, we, before we get there, I guess uh, two to – uh, to also say something that affects the goaltending is is the defense in front yeah. of the goaltenders, and it a lot was said about the Hurricanes' young defense and how talented it was, and it remains very talented. But I think a couple players might have taken a step back or just didn't play to the level yeah. that we're used to them playing. I think well, that's the better. It it goes back to what I said about Sebastian Ajo. Yeah. Once you set a baseline, you expect everybody to play at that level for their entire career. Well doesn't always work out that way, and I, I know what you're referring to. Everybody expected the entire defense to take a huge step forward and to make another leap. You know, Hayden Fleury thrown into the mix looked like, like a rookie at times, yeah. and, you know, he struggled at times. I liked that Noah Hannafin, his offensive game, really improved. Defensively, there were times, though, where he was caught right. in the wrong spot. Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci are the Canes' best shutdown duo. But there were also games this year where they were off, and I think that yeah. that's kind of what you're referring to. And that's I think it's very valid, and I'd, they'd tell you the exact same thing. Yeah, I don't think they were as effective as a pair as they were last season. No. Um, Justin Falk offensively wasn't as effective as he's been really in the last three seasons. Yeah. Um, and he said as much yesterday. So uh, all of those things put together, the team in front, um, you know, has a lot to do with with how the guy behind them absolutely uh, performs. And but it's 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 for me honestly, hockey is that entire unit, and it's six guys, three forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie. They have to play in sync. And if you're worried about any of them as a group, 
that's going to cause havoc for you when you're on the ice. Yeah. And, and as a goaltender, like Cam Ward said yesterday, you're either the hero or the goat. Yep. It's like a quarterback in football. Who, Pitcher in baseball. Yeah, they can throw. You know, the quarterback can throw a pass that's right on somebody's hands, and they drop it, and that negatively affects the quarterback's completion percentage. Just like you know, uh, the team in front could break down in front of Scott Dollar. Darling or Cam Ward, and they're not going to be able to come up with a save on Connor McDavid. You, you can. That's a great analogy for me, which is a quarterback can have 300 yards and three touchdown passes, but with a minute left in the game on the line, if he throws an interception, and it's the only interception he throws of the game, he's a bum right. because he didn't win the game. Yeah. You know, goalies are the same way. You can make nine amazing saves, but if you let in a bad goal, well, you're a bum because you should never let in a bad goal. Nobody ever does. Yep. That's what you sign up for, being a goaltender. That's it. Stuff. It's life. Stop. The rant was coming. It, put it the was. brakes on. I put the brakes <laughs> on it right there. Not happening. And we apologize if there's any uh, ambient noise to this podcast. They're making a lot of noise. Building down a on stage the floor. down there. Oh wow. Yeah. Who's coming? Uh, I don't know. I don't have my calendar with me. Check the PNC Arena calendar. And we'll, I'm sure whoever it is will put on a great show. Yes. Uh, building blocks, though. Yeah. Always like to see the last. You know, talk about the last thing we ever saw. But this year. In years past, when the Canes would dip down to the AHL, mixed results for who would come up. Mm-hmm. This year, good results. Warren Fogle comes up, shows he can play. Roland McEwen comes up, shows he can give you minutes on the blue line. Valentin Zikoff comes up, picks up where he left off last year before the injury in the NHL comes in. Maybe a little bit more of a book on him as the, the year moved along, but comes in, scored goals, showed that he could play and, and be an asset for this team. Nikola Waugh making his NHL debut, drew a couple of penalties, didn't look out of place. He's a big body that the Canes can put in the middle as well. So the the building blocks for the future, the guys in Charlotte, there are a couple of guys who I, I have reason to believe they're going to be able to push for jobs next year, which is what Tom Dundon wants. Yeah, and I think what you're going to see too is when – these four go back to Charlotte, which they're going to do. Already um, have. Already have, and we'll play, we assume, this weekend uh, when the Checkers head to Providence for what is a huge game in terms of the standings. The Checkers and the uh, trail the Providence Bruins by, I think, a couple of points, but the standings are all weird in the AHL because points percentage and yeah. the California teams. Uh, go to gocheckers.com. You'll, you'll have everything you need there. But huge games this weekend, and what you're going to see is those four – make an impact and, and that's I think where you can tell you can sort of sort out the the NHL ready players from the players who might need some more seasoning is you're going to see especially a guy like Hayden Fleury who's going to stand out really from everybody else but you should also get a boost from guys like Zikov and, and McEwen who got some some regular time here and adjusted to the the NHL pace now the game's going to slow down a bit for him and they should be able to succeed down in the AHL and a guy like Waugh who comes up here and now takes the confidence of knowing that hey he played 11 solid minutes with the Hurricanes in their final game of the season drew a couple penalties he takes the confidence of knowing that you know he can do that yeah. and, and and those four are going to provide a huge boost for an already very talented checkers club uh, that will be fun to watch uh, in the Calder Cup playoffs which begin in a couple of weeks exactly Although I do wish that we could get Chuck Kate Proud Noise only on the call for the playoffs at some point. Well, Jason Shia will do a, a tremendous job, and Shia who oh, I'm referring up, to the NHL, not, oh, okay, to, yeah, not yeah. to the Charlotte Checkers. Well, and Shia filled in uh, four times for John Forslund this year, 
and did a did a great job. I, I had a chance to to listen to a few of the highlight yep. packages because you know I'm on press row. I don't get the audio from from in game, but uh, but he fit right in. He did a, a great job. Again, you can add add him into the the call ups from Charlotte that stepped right in. <laughs> That's true, and, <laughs> and proved that they are more than capable. And uh, Jason Shy has got a bright, bright future. And while we won't hear Chuck Caton in Proud Noise Only in the NHL playoffs, we will hear John Forslund in the NHL playoffs. We will. He'll, he'll be calling games on uh, the NBC family of networks. Yes, Because he there will. are quite a few networks that you'll be finding uh, playoff games on. NBCSN, CNBC, USA Network. I think Golf Channel has a couple. Uh, but they're all there. They're all there for you to find and enjoy during the postseason do you watch playoff hockey yes i do yeah i do too hey it's i think some of the players might uh if i was a player i wouldn't watch it i couldn't watch it i couldn't watch it if i'm not in it i couldn't watch it i might might be out in the background maybe the finals i would you know the stanley cup final i would tune in for a little bit but no if if i want to be there i can't watch it yeah i'll be watching though yeah there's a couple intriguing matchups too. There really are. You got a who's your Stanley Cup prediction? Um, Nashville is really good. Uh, that's so Nashville. I believe if I looked at the bracket correctly, they're going to end up probably facing off with Winnipeg before we even get to the Western Conference Final. That's sort of the downfall of this playoff system is you're going to have two teams who should probably be in the Western Conference Final, Nashville and Winnipeg are going to meet in the semifinal. And then it's an, it's going to end up being, you know, whoever survives that bloodbath versus maybe Vegas, which is maybe weird. Even San I, Jose. I, I, Vegas, I will say this about Vegas. People are trying to say it's not a great story or it's the greatest story ever. I like it. I, I think that it's tough when you're in places like here and an expansion team wins the division and – has the year that they have and when i say like carolina you know places that have been struggling to make or to get to the playoffs but it's a great story but for vegas now i would not be surprised if they got swept in four games i would not be surprised if they made it to the stanley cup finals because that's this is an entirely different animal that they're going into right now right Uh, i like winnipeg though their talent is unbelievable in the east i like tampa bay yeah those are those are my two teams i'm not not changing. Um, I have secondary teams. Nashville, clearly the secondary team to like and lots to love about that team. It's got a feeling about Winnipeg on the other side of it. Uh, I, how do you go against the Pittsburgh Penguins? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you thing. if you don't like Tampa, how do you go against Pittsburgh? Right. I mean, there's Boston too, who had a, a great kind of a an under the radar regular season. I all year I long didn't like. want to. I did not want to believe in them because I think they got off to a a weird start. Tuka Rask got off to a bad start. They made some big trades. Um, they're one of those teams, though, where I don't want to buy them, but I would hate to play against them right oh, yeah. now. Yeah, and and as you said, Pittsburgh, two straight Stanley Cups. I mean, you can never count them out. No, at you this can't. Point. And they've got that Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. They've got those fellows. Two very good players. They're very good. One of whom was not the one of the top 100 ever. Yeah, so I find yeah. It a little hard to believe. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> you had to get all of the Blackhawks in there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, well. Uh, one last thing. Uh, Tom Dundon's press conference, the majority okay. owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, and this is how we'll wrap this up because he wrapped up the locker cleanouts and the uh, exit interviews as well. He conducted them with the players. Right after we wolfed down some delicious chicken parm sliders. Oh, they're the best. 
I don't know what they do. They're the best chicken parm sliders. It's you'll the have. highlight of any like media event that gets catered here because of the chicken parm sliders. The day they don't have them, it's bad. No, oh, bad news. It's bad. Bad news. <laughs> they will be rioting in yes. the streets. But Tom Dundon's press conference, we will not try to read tea leaves because again, let's go to the motto of this podcast, episode thirty-seven: <laughs> autopsy, cane season. <laughs> It's, you know, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Discovery Channel yeah, lately, <laughs> so in uh, Bravo. But it's for me. The owner of the team had this very simple statement: He is going to look at everything that he can possibly look at to make the team on the ice better, and that means the players, the coaches, scouts how they draft, systems of drafting, systems for identifying free agents. Every, they're going to look at everything, and that's fine. And I, I think that it is needed because, as Tom Dundon said, they didn't win. And yeah. that's the ultimate earmark for what happened. It was not successful this year because they're not in the playoffs. They did not win. So that's what I took out of what Tom Dundon had to say uh, again. The motto of the show, Michael, they don't tell us anything. And we don't know anything. So let me put this out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. The Carolina Hurricanes are going to be a vastly different looking team next season because Tom Dundon is going to look at all of these, all of these items, and there's going to be some things that he says are not just acceptable for this team, but this team in the future. Vastly different. I'll take it with the, uh, you know, vastly different could be interpreted in a number of well, ways. Well, he said could be 19 new players or zero. Right. So There's a big range in there. I'm going to say that there will be – let me put this into – if you want a number to, to quantify it. Okay. There will be five faces on this team next year who were not here this past yeah, season. that's fair. I'll take that for sure. Um, I, I think, yeah, as, as he said, everything has to be reevaluated. And there are going to be changes. There are going to be changes because for the ninth straight season, the Hurricanes are not in the playoffs. So clearly something has to change, and I think he's going to be the person to come in, look at everything, uh, and and figure out what needs to change. I mean, really, you, you just look at the top, and it's going to start with a new general manager. Yep. And that inherently is going to bring in change because the general manager is going to have ideas about uh, his coaching staff. He's going to have ideas about the players he wants. Tom Dundon has ideas about what he wants in a GM, what he wants in a coaching staff, and the players. So uh, a lot of new ideas, a lot of uh, fresh thinking, um, new interpretations. I think you're going to see quite a few changes take place over the summer. So we should have plenty to talk about uh, on here on the Canescast. Yeah. Hopefully the one thing that won't change is the Canescast. Correct. All right. You, sir, enjoy the uh, the rest of the week. We will be back Usual spot next week. Yes. The Canes cast will drop on Monday. Yeah, Mondays. Uh, we might go to bi-weekly later in the offseason. Vacation schedule. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it figure out week out. by week. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get back to you guys on Monday and, and maybe – Or break. we might drop them at odd times. Like there might be a Wednesday Canes cast. <laughs> just be on the lookout. A for. Saturday at midnight. Just boom, Canes cast. Right? My, my, one of my favorite comedians, Bill Burr. He does the Monday morning podcast. Sometimes it comes out on Thursday. Yeah. You know what? It's you never just... know. I mean, we say new episodes Monday, but sometimes Monday is Tuesday. And In this case, it is. Let's wrap it on one thing. The extended trailer for Solo. Okay. A Star Wars story. Uh, it was the best thing I've seen about this movie so far. I'm still not convinced it's going to be good. Good. I want you to go in with that. Set the bar low. Yeah. 
because I had zero expectations for Rogue One, thinking it was going to be garbage. And there were some things in it that still uh, bother me, like the thing that wipes your mind and supposedly makes you whatever, but then the pilot was fine. Uh, and they, whatever. Yeah, that was the thing. Yeah, that happened. Uh, I, it's hard to play Harrison Ford yes. <laughs> as you know Han Solo, the coolest smuggler in the galaxy. But there are things I like. I wasn't. I didn't want to like it. I went in there going, nope, nope, nope. Then I went, well, maybe. Star Wars has never been great at telling origin stories. Lando Calrissian, though. But and it's tough to it's tough to recast a younger version of an established beloved oh, yeah. character. And that's where I think the uh, the Han Solo character, Alden Ehrenreich, is is going to run into trouble. But Donald Glover looks like he's going to knock Lando out of the park. Oh, I know. I can't wait. So. And Chewie looks great for 190 years old. Yeah, he does. <laughs> 190? You look great. <laughs> I'd do a Chewie sound, but I can't. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, yeah, there that we go. terrible. It's sort of Yoda, yeah. Chewie. <laughs> yeah, I'm more, I can do Yoda. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So yeah, it was. It, it was uh, it's the best thing I've seen for the movie so far, but I'm still not convinced. But no. I'll I'll see it the first weekend it's open probably. No, you won't. When does it come out? Memorial Day? May 23rd. No, okay. I say that you won't because you... No, I will. No, you could have come out and seen uh, the... But I did see it the, the last opening Jedi. Weekend. I saw it the first weekend it was out. I and just didn't see it opening night. Still. But. Still. Point of contention on it. <laughs> what was a fine season. All right, coming up, future editions of the Canes cast, as long as the Webb's Michael Smith uh, agrees to do this with me. <laughs> uh, we're going to break down the forwards. We're going to break down the defensemen and the goalies. We're going to look at the offseason and free agency. And, yes, we know that we didn't address a couple of things in the room, like the coaching staff and the general manager – because, like we told you, they were addressed yesterday by the owner, and he said this is the, the situation it is today. When it changes, we'll definitely address it on the Canes cast. But as always, thank you for listening. For the web's Michael Smith. And TV's Mike Maniscalco. We will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.